Welcome to Challenging Christianity. I'm your host, Rebecca Kinnestrand. Do you consider yourself spiritual but non-religious? Agnostic. Or maybe you grew up in a church but don't believe what you were taught there anymore. This podcast exists in that space between all-in or all-out religion. Join us in asking questions that challenge the notions of Christianity. Welcome to Challenging Christianity. I'm Rebecca Kinnestrand. Daniel Dadashi is my co-host. And today we have Hillary Hayden in as a guest. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Great to see you. you. Thanks for being here. I want to do a little, (laughs) I want to do a little housekeeping and just say, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Challenging Christianity podcast at gmail.com. Please write in and let us know what you've been thinking about the episodes or what's on your mind and what you'd like us to talk about. Also, please check out HSLCKirkland.org, Holy Spirit Lutheran Church. Yeah, Holy Spirit Lutheran Church um, in Kirkland. Their website has a ton of online churchy things, non-churchy things, um, sermons, uh, lessons, all kinds of things if you like this progressive type of theology. And speaking of, uh, the reason why we have Hillary in-house here, so to speak, is that um, she grew up in a bit more evangelical household, and it's always interesting to talk to people who grew up in different uh, types of faith communities and find out what that was like. And, you know, I'd like to know more about your journey from there to how you got here, because you are now a member of our church, and I'm not evangelical, you know, I'm not being evangelical trying to get people to join our church. I'm just saying that it, it, there's a big leap there. There's a huge step um, to go away from one faith and into another. Um, so I'm going to stop talking and let you just, you know, discuss your life a little bit. Let Tell us your story. Yeah, totally. So um, I have lived in Washington for five years this year. Uh, I moved here in 2017. But before that, um, I grew up in, well, I was born in Nebraska. And then my parents got divorced when I was five and we moved to Iowa when my mom got remarried. So grew up in like a very conservative pocket. Yeah, no. So just grew up in a super, um, a very conservative evangelical church. A lot of, um, I guess like the word fundamentalist is like the right word. So Mm. a place where there were set expectations for what little, little girls growing up in that church would do or be, um, and set expectations for what little boys in that church would do or be. And I want to t- say, I want to say that Hillary is not so old. Like, what are the dates here? Are we talking the nineties? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was born in ninety two, so okay. I would have moved to like been a part of that church starting when I was like seven or eight. So like, we're talking like Y two K, right? We're not like the two thousand. Not terribly long ago. I just want to put yeah. the disclaimer on that. It, you know, it's not like oh, in the nineteen thirties, that's the way it was. No, yeah. this is recent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so just, I mean, lots of, like, I guess, like, interesting anecdotes or things, like, my mom always expected, and and we joke, I guess, that she got it wrong. Um, She sort of expected that I, the daughter, um, would be the one to get married young. I maybe wouldn't go to college. Um, I would move in down the block from her in a house with my husband and have children. Mm. Um, And my brother, because he was a boy, um, literally by, you know, by design, boys are going to go off into the world and go do something and not stay home and close to their family. That's mm. kind of the, the attitude. Because the so, woman takes them away. Like, they, there is a little bit of religious aspect to that, the cleaving to, you know, the woman and you go to the woman's family. There's, 
that historical aspect to that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so um, it, it's ironic. My younger brother is married uh, and lives with his wife. Not not close to my family. They did for a few years. They now live a little bit further away in Des Moines. But um, and me, I'm almost thirty and not married and far away uh, <laughs> and far. Yeah, exactly. I'm far away from my family. So. Um, things like that. And so that, you know, in, um, for me, I guess, like, I don't have a lot of like heavy judgment on people who expect that their kids are going to live close to them or whatever. Like I, in theory, want to have kids someday and I hope those kids want to live close to me when I get older, you know, like, right, I, don't, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't judge people who, who think that way. I do have some experiences, um, as I got older around like things boys do and things girls do or things that we let boys do and don't let girls do um, conversations around sexuality or like those kinds of things that Mm -hmm. um, I do think are a little bit more, um, you know, have a more of a like lasting impact on the way that people think and act maybe in ways that aren't helpful. Yeah. yeah. I have a I just have a question, but I can, you go ahead, Danielle. Okay. I, I do remember Hillary and I, self-disclosure, are, are close friends and hang out regularly. But I remember one of the first times we hung out, you had mentioned something about clothing at church. And I don't remember what it was. And then you told me about the rules you're, you had growing up for like camp and stuff, not even like dressing yeah. up for a church. And some of these rules I'd never even heard. They involved holding your hand to the base of your neck to yeah. see how high your shirt would come up. So, and yeah, it no, seemed I, there I were a lot you. of like, gender dress codes. <laughs> okay, what are the rules? Happy to tell you the rules. Um, you have to be able to put your hand right here and not see any skin, I guess I should say, because people can't see. Um, we're on Zoom, but other people can't see. They're going to be listening. But you have to put your hand like right below your neck, and you can't show any more skin than that. Um, right below on your, your chest. Neck. Oh, so like a so thing. that's all the skin. You can't have any like V neck, like low cut shirt. It has to go right here. That's mm. that's as much skin as you can show. And then the we had the two finger rule. So you know we we had to have not spaghetti strap tank tops on. And then when you stand up, your fingers have to go past the end of your shorts. Or no, the mm-hmm. other way around. Your shorts have to go past the, past end, of the end of your fingers. Yeah, or they're not long enough. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, when I like first started going to Holy Spirit, Danielle can probably attest to this. There were like lots of moments when I was like, does the church like pastor know this is happening? Like, I, I remember a lot of our conversations at the beginning revolved around you being convinced that things were tests or people were, were checking up on you. I remember you became a new member and you found out you were going to have a sponsor like yeah. a, a sponsor, you know, and mm-hmm. you I thought she was like a, keeping an eye on me. I thought it was so strange. It was almost mm-hmm. like, like you thought that there were going to be spies set up to make sure you were living your life in a certain <sighs> way. Really, and I, yeah. I had to convince you. She's just there to say like, Hey, if you have any questions, I've been a member a while. Call me. Um, I do. I did want to touch on, since we're talking about it, kind of this culture of purity and specifically rigidness around, you know, gender roles. I'm I'm sure that even though the boys didn't per se have those specific rules, they had their own set of rules to live by. I'm interested in hearing from a theological perspective, you know, what 
first made you go, I'm not sure about this. And why didn't you just throw baby out with bathwater and say, forget this, this is not for me. And did you have a search or what was your story? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's long and winding. Um, <laughs> uh, we had, I mean, we, I, I guess I was on the receiving end a couple of different times from different pastoral leadership of like, what I would describe as like, just not open behavior, like not encouraging me to think, but a lot more encouraging me to like, memorize things. I had a, a faith background where most of our Sunday school experience was learning how to prove to other people that we were right about something. Um, so it's not, you know, encouraging you to think about it or encouraging you to ask the right questions or, you know, even like I have a little bit more respect for like, here, memorize these words, like in, you know, these Greek words that mean X, Y, Z thing that you're going to run into in scripture a lot or, or something like that. But just a lot of like, you know, our church does things this way and we're the right ones. There's all these different denominations and we are the ones that are right about this. I don't really have a brain that like works that way, I guess. I would way rather like ask questions and tease arguments out to the end of whatever they are and then decide I don't agree with any of it than like mm -hmm. be told by someone from the age of seven that I'm going to be and do and think this way because that's what God wants for me. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I guess for me is like, I think that takes away a lot of our agency, like a lot of our ability to do and make decisions on our own or you know, make decisions that are right for us because they're the right thing for us. You know, I, I guess the, um, I guess I've been spending a lot of time with kids recently, but um, kids really think in a black and white worldview, right? They need clear boundaries, clear yeses, clear noes. Um, but as they get older, you don't, you don't want them to think black and white anymore. You want to encourage them, you know, to make decisions based on whatever situation they're in and, and figure out like their own judgment, basically. And I think that's what like was missing for me is like the ability to like think through these things and, and make judgments. And like, I also don't like that people like pretend that they know what God wants or something. It like makes me feel weird that someone's sitting over my shoulder telling me that, you know, God wants this because because someone wrote this in a book, you know, this many thousand years ago or whatever. So mm -hmm. basically, um, I like just got to a place where I noticed um, a lot of things that didn't line up for me, like. I had parents who told me that it was my job to like go out into the world and, and serve the most vulnerable, make the world a better place for the most vulnerable. But then like, which is a great message. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 100%. So the thing is like, <laughs> I, that's I think, what you want to do, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Well, and I, I do think that like, if there's anything, you know, I, I've, I've kind of separated myself from the idea of like God having a call on someone like that. I am meant mm. to do this thing or meant to do that thing. I don't really mm -hmm. think God has, uh, I don't think God does that. Mm -hmm. But I do think that God calls us to certain character traits. And if God calls us to any character trait, I do think it's like figuring out ways to serve folks who are vulnerable. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I did grow up to believe that. Um, but the, the awkwardness of it is that, so right out of college, right, I like go to work with this immigrant and refugee organization in Chicago. And my parents are worried. I'm not going to say the like non-PC things that they would say about it, but like are very worried that. I'm going to be helping undocumented people like get, you know, state benefits or something. I'm going to help people like rely on the state. So like their idea of helping the most vulnerable is like, in my mind, like kind of warped mm. a little bit in terms of like what their priorities are. Is it, is it like how people, I mean, it's proven that if you know the person or if it's someone around you that you know, 
I mean, people are much more likely to help someone like a neighbor next to them or something like that. Whereas it's like these people I don't know and now they're taking advantage. Was it in that vein? Yeah, no. I mean, these are people that like, it's really complicated, right? Because they're people who would give you the shirt off, give you, if they know you, the shirt off their back or when your grandma dies or whatever, they're going to show up. All of your neighbors are going to show up at your house with a casserole or whatever. You know, like this is, this is life in the Midwest. We are Mm -hmm. Midwest nice. Um, Mm -hmm. But those things, I, you know, I, I think that people should be challenged to live with some sense of conviction and some sense of you know, I guess like wholeness, like a consistent worldview. And to Mm -hmm. me, doing that for the people that, you know, making exceptions for people I like and not making exceptions for people that I don't like or don't know don't know is not Mm -hmm. a consistent, like it's just not like a consistent way to live. I would rather give everyone the same benefit that I'm giving someone that. So was that your, was that aside from the gender stuff that you had mentioned before where you were like, "Mm, I don't know, was that, a breaking point was there a breaking point or was it a slow move i mean i think like so many i think like so many people i i always was like the i guess like the contrarian or whatever like i remember um being on staff at summer camp and having a lot of conversations and being like the vocal one that was like i actually think god doesn't care if gay people get married or like you know this this kind of thing which <laughs> is why? not not mm-hmm. a popular opinion um mm. at conservative christian summer camp but um, for me, it was just like this long winding path. It sounds like in a lot of ways you were letting your Christian faith guide your decisions. Like the teachings that you learned about helping vulnerable people led you to working with refugees and immigrants and the teachings about Jesus, mercy and acceptance and love of people led you to um, embrace the LGBT community. But it sounds like kind of, it was almost this like, this clash of the, of the culture around the teachings of the Bible, it sounds like you weren't really straying away from your faith. Your faith was just leading you in a different direction than the world that faith was existing within. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I had to write an article recently for a journal, uh, like an explicitly Christian journal. Um, and one of the very like end paragraphs of that, that article talks about the fact that for me, supporting these things, supporting people who are marginalized doesn't represent like a divergence from faith. It just like, for me, represents, I mean, in the truest sense, like a faith that didn't hold up to life circumstances. It was something that I had to rebuild. It was something I had to like regroup around. And to be frank, like, I think I did okay. And I think other people who are in this space are also probably doing okay at figuring out how to regroup and build something new. So... So what uh, um, I've talked before on the uh, these episodes about my sort of constant search as I moved through life, uh, you know, constantly not throwing everything out, but being like, I'm not sure where I land here. I don't know. I have thoughts. Uh, was it the same for you? What landed you? Holy Spirit, like, what did you hear that made you go, hmm, this, this is a place I could jive with? So the story of coming to Holy Spirit is funny. Um, I basically did not go to church the entire time I was in grad school. So like the first two years I was here, I was like, I just don't need this right now. And I, yeah. So basically, um, I ended up 
after grad school, I, I have a master's degree in international development. And surprise, surprise, when you get a grad <laughs> degree in that, all your friends move away. Uh, and I had a really good job uh, running a nonprofit in state that worked on trade policy. Basically, my friends moved away and I had this like one friend left. And one Sunday, her and her husband invited me to go to church with them. And I went to an uh, will be for this podcast unnamed conservative church in the area. And I just like my eyes just got big. And I was like, I, I can't I can't like even be here. Like I don't mm-hmm. I like had this like visceral reaction. Like I don't I just don't want to be here. I can't I can't be here. I can't listen to this. I can't hear the music like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so uh, I went home and I thought to myself, I like, you know, I like being in a space where I'm allowed to have these conversations. I don't like being in a, in a church space where I have to believe a certain thing. Um, the people that I know that are the closest to that are the Lutherans. My grandparents were ELCA uh, before like the big split in 2009. So, so for I, listeners you know, I knew- who might not know, in 2009 was when our larger church body, the ELCA, um, finally made a ruling. Before that, churches had been picking and choosing um, a bit on their own about um, whether LGBTQ people would be welcome and accepted and whether pastors could be LGBTQ people. Mm. And the church decided, um, that pastor, that, um, members of the LGBTQ plus community could be ordained and that, uh, the evangel that individual churches could make calls for themselves about performing gay weddings, um, mm. which was basically seen as a big liberal moment within the church mm-hmm. and, uh, progressive change. And a, a large number of ELCA churches broke off from our church, meaning they no longer identified as ELCA and they became another category of Lutheran. Mm. So that, and other churches lost a whole bunch of members and some churches like ours that had been open and affirming for 20 years before that ruling came down, it made very little difference Difference. Mm -hmm. whatsoever. Mm. So when I was looking for a church, I knew that this was like a, a denomination that I could hang out in at least and feel comfortable and so I literally like Googled like Lutheran churches, ELCA churches in like the East Puget Sound, East Side. Um, and Holy Spirit came up and it was two miles, I think, or three miles from my house then. So I went on Sunday and checked it out. I um, was guilty when church was in person of being the 8 a.m. 8 a.m. church person because I have things to do on Sunday. Yeah. So I can't wait until the 11 a.m. service. <laughs> right. So mm-hmm. um, so I went to the 8 a.m. service, sat in the back. There was one other person my age who was there. Came back the next – oh, I should say, the reason that I came back at all is because Pastor Katie gave a sermon about the, like, knock and the door will be open for you part of Scripture. <laughs> yeah. And basically – um, Pastor Katie said, some people who get what they want keep knocking. And she gave us all permission to be unreasonable. And sometimes mm-hmm. I like to be unreasonable for things that I like care about um, right. really deeply. So anyway, so that that's the anecdote. And I still remember it from, from three years ago. See, um, Pastor Katie, if you're listening, it, it matters what you say. <laughs> <laughs> people are listening. Yeah. So I made this new friend and turns out, oh, well, so I came back the next Sunday Pastor Mike, I've watched this all happen from a corner of the sanctuary. Pastor Mike pulled that other person my age into the, what's the little room of the sanctuary called? Sacristy, sacristy. or something? Yes, sacristy. Okay. okay, so Mike pulls this other person into the sacristy, and then she came out. 
she got her purse and she came and like a good Lutheran sat two seats away. She didn't sit right next to me. She sat two seats away. And then she introduced herself, and then I became her friend, and then I found out she was moving to Germany. So goodbye to one more friend. But then um, but then Pastor Mike also made Danielle set up young adults group so that all the young adults that were congregating at church would have a space to hang out. So I think for me, looking for a place that was LGBT-affirming, for me, you know, it was like a long, slow path to becoming a member. I mean, like months mm-hmm. of like me meeting with Pastor Mike, me mm-hmm. meeting with Pastor Katie, me meeting with Danielle and finding out that I would talk about it as like the dirt, like uh-huh. what's really going what's on the here. tea, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, what are the real rules around here? That kind of thing. And I think mm-hmm. at the, I said this to Pastor Mike, I said this to Pastor Katie as I was like getting to know the church and this kind of thing. I just really wanted a place where I was allowed to think that a God existed and that I didn't have all of these like rules like swirling around about like how that had to happen. It's easier to know. It's, you know, I can understand how people would, it's certainly great when somebody's like, this is the way it is and here you go. That's an easier way to walk through life, honestly. I think it's very, very hard to have a lot of gray zone and I'm not going to get into international politics because I know, Hillary, you and I could talk about it yeah, a lot. But authoritarianism is very similar. You know, it's really easy to tell me what to do. Tell me how I should live my life. Tell me the way that it is because it's hard. Life is hard. And making all the decisions in your life are hard. It's, it's hard. And it's hard to be in a democracy. It's very messy. It's very gray. It doesn't go your way. It goes up and down and sideways and backwards. And requires maintenance. And requires so much maintenance and so much thought, and it's so very, very complicated. Do you do you think that's a fair analogy that with maybe some of these churches that they are, it's easier? I do. I do think that it's, like, easier to live uh, that way, and I think that, I mean, look, if there were, like, easy answers to some of these things, like, people would have come up with them already. The thing I, like, say over and over to conservative Christian relatives is, like, I also have black and white rules that I follow. Mm. They're pretty explicitly around loving my neighbor, whether they are Christian or Muslim or Jewish or people of another Not, race or, or another nun, sexual orientation. Nobody or, or an, nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. And like, you know, things around caring about creation. I think we have a certain, um, you know, a certain responsibility or something to take care of the planet, like those kinds of things. Um, mm. are, are like black and white rules that I would live by things around like, um, taking care of myself, you know, not hurting, not hurting other people, not hurting yourself, those kinds of things like mm. are, are, are important. And I think like black and white rules that I would also say that I live by, but I don't have a black and white rule that's meant to address like every possible life circumstance that's going to come at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this reminds me of something you talked about earlier. You mentioned, um, growing up and feeling like you were meant to memorize certain phrases and biblical passages as a way of winning arguments. You talked about how it was like to convince people you were right. If someone mm. says this, you have these memorized, I think you mentioned earlier, which yep. rang really true to me. Every once in a while, I'll have some a teenager come to me and say, I'm friends with some other Christians at school, but they believe things we don't. And they use all the all this scripture to like convince me that they're right. Mm-hmm. And 
all I have to come back at them is, well, that doesn't sound like Jesus. That doesn't sound like loving your neighbor. And they're like, and that's not convincing, Danielle. They sound more right, Danielle. (laughs) And I think there is a, it's hard to, if if you're living in a gray in-between space, it can be hard to feel sure of yourself because like you said, the roads require maintenance. It Mm -hmm. requires changing and adapting, and you don't always know what the future is going to hold for your faith because sometimes things change as the world changes and your worldview changes and your view of what humanity is changes. A black and white faith in some ways stays consistent, whereas our faith tends to always be challenging us to move forward. Yeah, and I guess that's... It's like a difference in like what the goal basically is of me being involved in the church because like for my many of my like Christian friends and family at home, I feel like their goal is like the arrival at this place where they are a person that God likes and, you know, they're doing all the right things and and this kind of thing. And for me, I feel a lot more inclined toward like just being open about what else might happen or what things might cause me to think a different way or say something different or believe something different and and I yeah, guess I you would, know in, in Catholic Church the best thing we have is like oh you'll get it when you're dead you're gonna go to heaven when you die <laughs> right so we didn't even it was just like yeah good luck you're gonna have a horrible life everybody suffers do what you can for other people, and then you're dying, go to heaven. Right? Like, that was the goal. Oh, boy. <laughs> I have some, like, lefty Catholic friends that, and I have since, like, looked into Catholic social teaching a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I do wish many, many times that the evangelicals had, like, some kind of social teaching, like, Catholics have. I don't know. I guess I've yeah. only read about it in like the Jesuit space. So I don't know if like all Catholics have it, but I know Jesuits have social. Yeah, teaching. I don't know if all Catholics have it, but definitely huge. I, I also in the similar vein had huge social justice, very much so. I would say it was in the vein of take care of the poor. And yeah. like I said, yeah. there's suffering in the world. You take care of those people. You give the shirt off your back to those people. And as you were saying, it depends on what you what you mean by that, but we always had at Lent, um, you know, this bowl, this rice bowl. And now I, I mean, so much of this is cringy now, but it was, it had like, you know, some starving child on it and a picture of it. And we were supposed to, it was during Lent. We were supposed to pray for people and give little bits of money or whatever we had as kids to this bowl. And, you know, it represented mm-hmm. the rice that other kids didn't have and that we had essentially. But yeah, very much so that message being put into our heads that we were fortunate and we take care of the unfortunate. So you got, oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I, I think it marks up a, a big um, kind of split within the American Christian communities, which is this idea of Christianity as a way of reaching out to the world and um, helping those around us and Christianity as a way of helping of becoming the best versions of ourselves. You see that in like prosperity gospel, the belief that um, uh, God wants us to be rich and healthy and that if we are good Christians, we money you comes. will be rich and healthy. You will yeah. be rich and healthy. The idea of um, of uh, thin bodies being um, indications of you of you loving God enough. Um, right. Wow. Interesting documentary about that called The Way Down. 
like how you weigh, but kind of this, this movement towards Christianity as a, as an internal faith, which it is in many ways, you know, (laughs) and and yet a lot of that internal faith spurs us to make the external world a better place. And I think uh, that's a big kind of schism. And you see that within, within church communities a lot about whether the communities are about individuals or about groups. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's very interesting when we see people join from other faith communities, what uh, rings true to them and what mm. has been a constant in their lives. You know, I'm I'm really inclined toward thinking about faith as like a, a group activity, as something that we do in community with other people versus by ourselves. I like wrote a paper in college and like still sort of believe this that like I don't I don't really think like individual salvation is a thing, um, and I think that people are moving towards a communal salvation. We're working out things together in community with other people. Wow, um, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And well, the wild thing is, this is the moment when I was like, okay, maybe I can be a member of this church, because um, I was talking to Pastor Mike, and Pastor Mike, when I when I was first trying to decide if I was going to be a member and all of that, but I went into his office and he had this thing that he had done in um, in seminary, and it had you know ten theses for the modern day church or whatever, and and a push toward a more communal sense of salvation was like on the list, and I literally looked at Pastor Mike and I said, can I take this home? I want to show someone that someone else thinks this. <laughs> we have a podcast on that, I think. Uh, we do. We, I think we have a two-part podcast two-parter. where Pastor Mike talks about his 9.5 theses. And uh, fun fact, he, he does not call it communal salvation. He calls it corporate salvation, yeah. which is something I once told Hillary. And Hillary said, well, I don't like that word, so I'm changing it. I'm not, yeah. I'm not on anything corporate. So. But it corporate does, with the low C is hard. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it's a synonym. So we'll use communal salvation in this podcast because I do, it is a synonym. So I think you're all good. <laughs> God, I really want to go back and listen to that one again. I, I almost, I've forgotten we had done that whole episode with, with him. Yeah, we I should think put it that was a two parter. Do we have his things up online on um it, it is. We can move it up in the feed too. Maybe we can we can throw yeah. it up there next week and let's just can... uh, throw up the, the since we haven't had many episodes recently due to audio problems. Sorry um, guys, it's yeah, me. let's push that one up and then we can also um you know, link out to his was it twelve? It's twelve theses. I think it's nine point five. It doesn't 9. make 5. any sense. It's <laughs> Not just ten like, commandments. Just 9. it's just 5. like because the nine, like the ninety five theses. He just wow. like moved the decimal point. Right. So it's got real cute, cutesy. But you got to be real in. You got to be real Lutheran to get the the reference. <laughs> so I'm curious, Hillary. When you talk about the Midwest a lot, I know we have listeners literally from all over the country, and mm. some have written in, and they are very lonely. It can be a lonely place. Like, what do you? What do you suggest for people that are like, hey, I don't, this isn't really where I'm at. But the pulling away from a culture was what was difficult for me because, you know, growing up Catholic or if you're Jewish or, you know, I don't know, the evangelical, but it, it wasn't just about going to church. I mean, it, it's a whole culture that you're a part of. And I think it can be very, very hard. I mean, I have a friend pulling away from Mormonism right now. So, yeah. It can be very, very, very hard to leave just the culture, and you kind of almost have to, at least for a while. Yeah. I mean, so there's, I think there's like two questions. If So if you are a person listening to this podcast, and you are hanging out in the Midwest, and you 
or wherever, um, mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or wherever, and whatever mm-hmm. other you know more conservative or or fundamentalist environment, um, it's okay. Uh, you should also, I think for me, like the number one thing was just having a couple of people around that I knew I could like debrief things with, you know, I grew up in a family where we had to go to church on Sunday. And by the time I was in high school, it wasn't a fight to go to church, but like (laughs) my mom would probably, uh, she might still have like trauma nightmares about this. I don't know, but I would literally sit there listening to the sermon and write down everything I disagreed with, like in a notepad (laughs) while I was listening to it. Um, and I think it like, uh, you know, it upset her, but I also think people need like a space, right? A a place to go talk to people and say, this is the thing I'm, these are the things I'm struggling with, or these are the things I'm not into. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think the other thing I'll say is you might need a break. You might not need a break, but I would really encourage people in that space, um, to figure out what the, the thing is that they do need. Um, for some people, people get different things out of going to church, right? For me, mm-hmm. I don't find a, a big, you know, sense of, of what's divine in my world there. Um, mm-hmm. I find it in the mountains and in the woods and paddleboarding on the lake and that kind of thing. I would way, way, way rather be in nature somewhere than in a church on Sunday morning and I will get more personally out of it. But the community aspect is like the, the part for me that I can't get from being alone in the woods all the time. That is so interesting. I'm so glad you brought that up because so many people, and maybe it's just by nature of where we live, but so many people say that like, I find God in the woods or I don't want to be in a building or so on and so on. And I have a hard time, you know, even responding to that, but you said it really nicely. It's like, you don't get your spiritual aspect from that. That's not what you're going for. You're not going to get your halo, you know, moments maybe in the church, but you're there for the community. And I have to say that I had just recently gone back with my kids in Ash Wednesday and um, I was there and I was like, wow, I can't believe how much I missed this. It was more about the message instead of hearing, you know, all getting information, news or entertainment or whatever the, I don't hear those messages in my life. Normally I don't hear that it's all okay. And God loves you and we're here together and these really positive, I don't mean self-helpy, but um, anyway, I was there for something totally different. So the kind of the interesting thing. So I took the like new members class the fall after I like went to church the first time. I like went up to Pastor Mike at the end and I said, do I have to believe everything this church believes to go to church here? Like to be a member? Like what am I committing to by saying yes to this? And he kind of like, he, you know, he'd had enough of these like long-winded conversations with me at this point about like <laughs> what I believed and did not believe. Um, and he, so he did this like big sigh and then he looked at me and said, Hillary, I don't believe everything this church believes. You, know, be a you just outed him. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Cut it in. It's inappropriate. <laughs> We're going to leave it in. I haven't had a pastor bat an eyelash about the individual salvation versus communal salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. or like any of my other, like any of my other like weird theological leanings. So anyway, it's, it's been a relief. I just want to say as well to and all the listeners, thanks for listening. And, um, if you, uh, you know, re- reiterating my thoughts from the beginning, when I said, go to the website, um, Holy Spirit Lutheran Church, 
because there's just so much material there that, you know, you can get from this online community um, that really has flourished and gotten a lot bigger, you know, especially over COVID when we had to. I want to thank Hillary for her giving us the time today. Super important conversations and super important for people to know that they're not alone. You aren't the only one having these thoughts. You aren't alone in your theological thinking or in any in any way are you ever alone. So reach out and we'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening and um, we'll talk to you next time.